Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, and welcome to In All Honesty, a brand new podcast where you get the honest answers you didn't know you needed. I'm Michelle Elman, and a lot of you will know me online as Scarred Not Scared. I'm a five water coated life coach, a public speaker, and also author of the book, Am I Ugly? The idea behind this podcast started from my Monday Q&As. If you don't follow me on Instagram, every week I do a Q&A taking on questions and giving my brutally honest answers. And it's become one of my favourite things to do every week. But unfortunately, as the popularity of those Q&As have grown over the last two years, it's become impossible to get to as many answers as I would like. So that's where this podcast comes in. This format not only means I get to dig deeper into your questions and get a little bit more context, but also that my answers will be more tailor-made for you. As a life coach, I truly believe every person has the answers they need within themselves. But what stops us from getting there is that we aren't honest. We aren't honest with ourselves and we aren't honest with other people. So in this podcast, let's both promise to be honest. Ask the questions you've always been scared to address so that we can build a life that fulfills you. This week, we are talking about anxiety. And as I'm recording this, we are still in the middle of a global pandemic. We are living in what I'm starting to call semi-lockdown because as much as we aren't in lockdown, everyone's living a more isolated life than they are used to. Our emotions are bigger than we are used to. We are having to process more than we are used to. And so it's not only a completely normal reaction to the world we're living in, but it's healthy and appropriate. In my model of coaching, I'm really big on not pathologizing or diagnosing what is a healthy response to a situation or context you have never been in before. We are living through a global pandemic. If you're not sleeping, that is normal. If your eating habits have changed, that is normal. If you are finding it hard to focus, that is normal. You are normal, you are healthy, and all your body is trying to do right now is to protect you and keep you safe. So if I don't work with diagnoses and I don't like pathologizing, how do I work? Well, I work with symptoms. Anxiety can exhibit in so many different ways. The problem is not actually the anxiety, but how the anxiety affects your life. The reason I don't focus on labels is because the label anxiety doesn't actually tell me much about how it's impacting you specifically and preventing you specifically from fulfilling your greatest potential. For example, if your anxiety means that you say no to parties when you want to say yes, that's the symptom that we need to address. But one person who has anxiety could have a problem around parties and another person who has anxiety could have a problem around sleeping. That label doesn't tell me which person you are. It doesn't tell me anything about your symptoms and that's why I focus on symptoms. If we figure out what symptoms are affecting your life, then we can give you the tools to overcome that. 
Some of the questions later will give you a direct example of how to address this, but let's start with a general understanding of anxiety. Anxiety is the emotion of fear in the future, which means it can't exist if you're thinking about the present or the past. Only when you're thinking about the future can anxiety exist. Fear, however, can exist in the present, but anxiety cannot. So if you return your mind to what you're doing right now, or even thinking about a past event, you'll find the anxiety dissipates. And later on, I'll give you a few quick tips on how to ground yourself in the moment so that you can bring yourself into the moment when you start experiencing anxiety. The reason why anxiety occurs in the future though is because your mind is incredibly smart. It has the ability to imagine situations that hasn't happened yet and more than that your unconscious mind believes that what you are imagining is real. Your unconscious mind doesn't know the difference between real and imagined and to prove that I want you to imagine biting into a lemon. Before I have even finished this sentence and I'm feeling it in my mouth right now, your mouth will have probably started salivating. You didn't even need to consciously imagine a picture of a lemon in your head to react and that's because your unconscious mind imagined it, thought it was real and therefore your body reacted. Also, your unconscious mind is far quicker than the conscious mind. Therefore, your conscious mind didn't even need to process the sentence before your body reacted. So if you have anxiety around getting into a car or a plane, what are you imagining? If you are imagining your car crashing or your plane crashing, your body is already reacting to it. Your heart rate will go up, your palms get sweaty, you might find it hard to breathe. And it's the same if your anxiety is around public speaking. Are you imagining the audience heckling you? Because then your body will react as if you are being untapped on stage before you've even said a single word. What if your anxiety is around socialising? Do you imagine standing in the corner alone and everyone staring at you? Do you imagine being caught in a conversation and people laughing at you or thinking you're stupid? Whatever you're imagining, your unconscious mind is reacting to it as if it's already happened. This is why it's so important to be conscious of what you're thinking the moment before anxiety arises because in order for you to have a feeling, you have a thought that precedes it. Be aware of that thought and you have the power to change that feeling. So the reason why I wanted to provide this life coaching via your questions is because I truly believe Q&As are so powerful in the way that every week I get messages from people who never ask a question but always see answers that apply to their life and situation. This in itself is comforting because it's nice to know that your problem isn't as rare as you think and if the problem isn't rare, the solution isn't either. There is this beautiful solidarity in knowing you aren't alone and you'll be shocked by how many people have the same exact question as you and by you being brave enough to ask that question, you're helping so many others. So just because you aren't the person who asked it doesn't mean you can't be the person who's helped by it. So let's get stuck into the first question. The first one comes from Catherine. Hey Michelle. I do karate and I get very nervous for gradings and moving up a belt. However, karate is super about showing spirit, so being calm and in the zone, but also letting power and anger show without being super tense and getting tired super quickly. My question is, how do you get yourself into a specific mindset when you're anxious? Karate is meditative, but I struggle staying focused and calm while doing such intense exercise. Thank you so much, Catherine. Thank you so much for your question, Catherine. What a wonderful sport. It's so normal to be anxious for assessments. First of all, take it as a great sign that it's something you clearly care about. In order to have such an intense emotion, it's because you care and you're passionate about it. And that in itself is a beautiful thing. Before these assessments, you need to start getting really conscious about what you're picturing in your mind. 
Are you picturing yourself falling? Are you picturing yourself failing? Are you picturing yourself tripping over the mat? If you're picturing any of these things, then it will be exhibiting in your body. And whilst it's really easy to say change your thoughts, it's really hard to do if you don't have something else to think about. So we're going to give your mind something new to do. I use this myself before appearing on live TV. Being on live TV is one of my favourite parts of my job. I love the adrenaline of it. I love being put under pressure to think on my feet. And I personally believe my brain works best under pressure. But if I didn't have these beliefs, I probably wouldn't enjoy it. And if I had a different brain or I was a different human, this would definitely be a potentially anxiety inducing situation. The reason it isn't for me though is because on the way to the studio to go onto live TV, I'm always really conscious of my thoughts. If it's a really big interview, like when I went on Loose Women, I become conscious of my thoughts the moment I wake up. I don't allow my brain to imagine any negative outcome and when it starts imagining something, I make sure it's a good something and these two questions are what get me there. The first one is, how would I feel right now if I knew walking away from today that I had done the best interview I had ever done? I don't ask this question from an intellectual space. I'm asking this from an emotional space where I want you to actually feel it in your body. I want you to ask yourself, how would I feel right now if I were to walk off the mat knowing I'd ace that assessment? I want you to imagine it, feel the room, imagine you finishing the assessment and feeling the relief in your body, the pride in your body. Let that smile stretch across your face as you know you absolutely boss that. How would you be breathing? How would you be feeling? What would you be saying to your friends? Really go into this future memory. I call it a future memory because you are creating something that is going to happen with 100% certainty. Go into your future memory. What would you be saying to your friends? Would you be talking really quickly? What is the wording of the thing you would say? Would you say, I bossed that, I aced that, that went so well. If I go into my interview, I imagine me calling my friend and saying, that was so much fun. It was amazing. I want to do that again. Have fun with it. Make it as vivid as possible. The second question you can ask yourself is how would I walk onto the mat knowing with 100% certainty that I will pass the assessment with flying colours? If you ask yourself this question, your unconscious mind will start playing it in your brain. And again, you are wanting to imagine this until you can feel it in your body. You can use your past memories to help. Your past memories are so needed to prove to yourself that you are capable and have the abilities to achieve anything. If I go back to the message, you said you wanted to feel calm, in the zone, powerful and showing spirit. It is very important you use these words. These are the words you gave away to me in the message. These words are unique to you. They're the words that are most powerful to you. Showing spirit, for example, is really unique and that will allow you to create a stronger emotion than what my word would have been. I would have probably used something like energetic. It's a great word and it means it's more emotionally connected than any word someone else would have chosen. In your message, you also included super tense and anger, and that's a giveaway on what you're focusing on instead. So let's find you something new to focus on. Ask yourself, when is a time in your life when you felt most calm? Go back to that memory. How old were you? How were you breathing? Were you standing or sitting or lying? What was going on in your mind? Really go into that memory and feel it in your body. If I go back to the memory where I felt most calm, I was in Thailand by a pool. It was quiet and I had relaxing music playing in my ears. 
it was back in the days of uni where no responsibilities and nothing to do so my mind was completely empty and even as I was just recalling that memory to you you could hear my breathing change I go back into that memory for as long as I need to start feeling as calm as I did then and as soon as you start imagining that past memory your neurology will start to recall that feeling and you can now use that for future events it's why my breathing changed because even just thinking about that memory even talking about it to you meant that my breathing changed and now I feel calmer as well once you feel at your most calm ask yourself when was a time in your life when you felt most in the zone you might want to get up on your feet for this one jumping up and down and get that energy into your body Do this process with your most powerful memory and the memory where you're showing the most spirit. You have all of these memories that you can use for your own power and potential. But we often think, oh, it's in the past. I can't recreate it. That's the negative way of looking at it. The positive way of looking at it is you've done it before. Therefore, you can do it again. If you do this, you can walk onto the map feeling powerful, calm, in the zone and showing spirit. And I know because I use it myself and it works. With those TV interviews, people think I sit and prepare and research for hours, but this is actually the only way I prepare. If I sat and looked at research, I would only get more anxious. But instead, I trust that I know what I'm talking about. I have the knowledge and resources to talk about it because I'm good at my job and I'm an expert in the area I'm talking about. And I spend my time and energy on this stuff because your mindset is more important. There is no point having information in my brain if I'm so anxious that the words don't come out of my mouth. So I work on what we call our state. My state is way more important and it allows me to perform the best I can. Good luck for your next assessment. You have everything you need within you to pass with flying colours. And I hope that you actually enjoy it this time. Thank you so much for your question. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll know how important I find communication and I'm quite passionate about it and also a little bit geeky when it comes to how communication actually gives away a lot more than meets the eye in a conversation. You might also know if you've been following me long enough that my greatest vice is TV shows and have pretty much watched every TV show in existence. So I thought it'd be fun to combine it and create a segment called Dissecting Dysfunctional Conversations, where I take a dysfunctional conversation in a TV show I'm watching and show you how there is more going on than what is being said. One of the things I'm asked a lot is how can you watch TV shows like Grey's Anatomy? By the way, I'm a little bit obsessed with Grey's Anatomy when the conversations are so dysfunctional and the answer is the communication on these TV shows are only as bad as the communication that occurs in real life. We have to remember that bad communication is the norm in our society and so if bad communication annoyed me, I would be constantly annoyed. The reason why TV shows have bad communication is because it provides a storyline, which I believe is proof in itself that if you have good communication, you avoid problems. And if you have bad communication, it creates problems where there doesn't need to be one. But we can learn from that communication and learn how we can take responsibility for our own stuff. Don't worry, you won't need to watch the shows in order to learn from this segment. I'm going to include no spoilers and you don't need to understand the context in order to be able to apply it to your own life. So the TV show I'm watching at the moment is Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. When all the Housewives series started, I told myself I was never going to watch it because I believe it spreads the idea that friendship between women are bitchy, toxic and catty. And now that I've actually watched it, I can't say that this assumption was wrong, but 
I most definitely am hooked and I am, I think, in the fourth season. But there was one conversation that was really interesting when it comes to projection. I think it happened back in the second season. The housewives and the husbands were all at dinner when one of the housewives said that she was going to therapy and one of the husbands responded saying that he would never go to therapy because he would feel weak if he couldn't deal with his problems himself. The housewife gets really upset and she excuses herself to the bathroom where she starts crying. I thought this was an interesting conversation because it's a classic case of projecting. In these dysfunctional conversations, it's not about deciding who is right or wrong. Those are judgments and they aren't helpful, but we can analyse the conversation in order to learn from both parties. Obviously, in this situation, he is talking about his own life and she is talking about her own life. But this is what happens when you're insecure about something. She felt judged by his opinion because what she heard was him calling her weak. That was not what was said, though. He said that he would feel weak. But the reason why she interpreted that opinion as a judgment is because likely she judges herself and still holds shame around going to therapy. When you judge yourself around any insecurity, you take other people's opinions to be judgments of you. If someone like me, however, was in the room, someone who has no shame or insecurity around going to therapy, I proudly will say things like, oh, my life coach said in a public room and not really care about the opinions. If I was the person sitting in that room and he had made that comment about how he feels weak around therapy, I would have explored that because I wouldn't have taken it as a reflection of me. I would have probably actually found it quite interesting and be curious about his opinion. I would have asked something like, why do you think therapy is weak? If the conversation then escalated and became accusatory or judgmental, I would take the opinion that I really hope that that man doesn't need therapy one day and if he does, he doesn't judge himself that harshly. What kind of impact do you think it has on your life if you believe therapy is weak? How often do you think this man asks for help? Probably not a lot and probably judges himself quite harshly when he asks for help about anything. So his comments are simply a reflection of him. For me, someone who has had a therapist and still does have a life coach, I know how much strength it took me to go to my first therapy session. Asking for help is to this day probably one of the bravest things I could have ever done. So I don't care who perceives therapy as weak. I'm secure in the fact that I know it's a brave thing. I am also secure in the knowledge that both therapy and life coaching have helped me in so many ways. So I don't care about anyone's opinion and their opinion wouldn't affect me because it's none of their business. Even when I had to go to my own session, I had to overcome the stigma of therapy, the stigma that he is perpetuating. But now that I've been through it, I realise that that opinion simply comes from pride and ego and that has no place in a therapeutic setting. Neither are right or wrong, but in a healthy communication, he could have taken responsibility for his own shame and not projected on her, particularly when she was in a vulnerable place, and she could have taken responsibility for her own shame and understood his opinion was not a judgment on her. But what clouds all of this is insecurity, and they are both insecure, even though on the surface it only seems to be her. One was insecure about going to therapy and one is insecure about getting help. That doesn't mean either are wrong, but it does lead to an unhealthy communication. I get asked about projection all the time and I just thought this was a perfect example to demonstrate it in action. Being able to create separation between your stuff and someone else's stuff is important in order to not take opinions as judgments. But if you have any TV conversations you would like to dissect, send them to me on Instagram through my DMs and we can have a look at more dysfunctional conversations. Life is full of what ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? 
and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. On to the next question. Hi Michelle. I've been more anxious at night for as long as I can remember and tend to spiral into horrific thoughts at bedtime. I've tried everything, including silly things like quitting coffee, but even in the happiest times of my life, it's there. My only way to curb that has been maladaptive daydreaming, as in imagining a life that has nothing to do with mine in a kind of dreamy way, but it's not very satisfying. So if you have any idea on that, would be very grateful. Thanks so much, Melissa. Thank you so much for your question, Melissa. I love that you framed it as maladaptive daydreaming. I've not heard that one before. But I have to ask, what is wrong with dreaming about someone else other than yourself? If it works, it works. It's not about what others do. It's about what works for you. I daydream all the time. It's usually about myself, but that's probably more to do with the fact that I'm a Leo. Stereotypical Leo who likes thinking about herself. But your imagination is beautiful, so use it. There's no shame in that. The reason why it surfaces at night is because during the day when we are busy, that's often when we don't have time to think. So when nighttime comes, when we get into bed and we stop for the first time in our entire day, that's the first moment all day that we get to really acknowledge our thoughts, feel our feelings and all of our thoughts and feelings flood into our brain because we didn't have a break all day to feel what we needed to feel. If you create more time in your day, however, to take a break, it doesn't need to be a lot of time, by the way, maybe like 10 minutes every three hours to just feel what you need to feel. It won't bombard you at the end of the day. No matter how busy you are, you've got 10 minutes at lunchtime to just pause and check in with your body and feel the feelings inside. Spend a moment with them. Ask yourself what you're feeling and this means it won't come up when you're trying to sleep. Another thing you could do is to keep a pen and paper by the side of your bed. If I write it down, it's no longer in my head and that's a rule I make with myself. That when I write it down I leave it on the paper. Another thing I do is if I'm stressed about work I dissociate from it by separating it as a different person with a different name. For example I have scarred not scared so if it's 11pm and I'm trying to sleep and my brain starts thinking about a podcast episode I need to edit I'll tell myself that it's scarred not scared's problem. 
I don't need to deal with it right now. Michelle's problem is that she's tired and needs to sleep. That I can deal with. And I will say, that is Scar Not Scare's problem as many times as I need to. It's active and conscious dissociation between me and the part of myself that I don't need to be entertaining right now. You can do this too. Let's say you're known as Melly at home, but Melissa at work. Tell yourself it's Melissa's problem, but you are Melly right now. Or just make a name to represent your work self or your home self. To be honest, even just calling it your work self works. You can just say, oh, that's work me's problem. It might sound silly, but if silly things work, I use them. When you said giving up coffee is silly, it isn't silly, but it isn't going to work if coffee isn't the problem. If coffee is not the problem, giving up coffee is not the solution. There are a lot of coaching techniques I use that you will feel silly while doing it. That's just your ego trying to protect itself. The reason I can say that with no shame is because it works. Who cares if it works? Same with your maladaptive daydreaming, but please stop calling it that because you're framing it in a negative way and it's not negative. It's positive and creative and you should be proud of yourself for coming up with a solution to your problems. Stop shaming yourself and start using it. A lot of my techniques aren't from a coaching manual. They're silly things I've tried that have worked and then I've passed them on. Yes, of course, they're based on training and my knowledge around how memories are stored and how emotions work. But my ideas aren't less silly than yours simply because I'm qualified. If it works, it works. One of the core messages of my coaching is no one cares why it works. Everyone cares that it works. So if it works, use it. Use it if it's good for you and start enjoying these journeys your mind takes you on every night as you're trying to fall asleep. By the way, that's also the same function that any storyteller, author or creative has, is this ability to make up stories. Isn't it brilliant that you had such a skill for it that you took it for granted? I look forward to you embracing your daydream, Melissa, and I hope that helps and answers your question. Every week, I'm going to give you three quick tips on the topic we're talking about. So today, three quick tips on anxiety. The first one is a grounding exercise. This is quite a common one for when your anxiety flares up or you're in the middle of a panic attack or an anxiety attack, it's called grounding. It brings you back to the moment because as I said, you can't experience anxiety if you're in the moment. And so bringing you back to your senses is a really great way of doing that. And how we do that is we name five things you can see, four things you can touch, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste. Once you focus on your senses and bring you back to the moment. In a similar way, the second exercise is relax your jaw and look up. This might sound strange, but I promise it works. Relaxing your jaw works because in order for you to talk to yourself inside your head, you know that inner critic or even just your inner voice inside your head, for you to be able to talk to yourself and hear that voice, you're tensing your jaw. And so you'll see that when you walk down the street, when people have really great jaw lines, it's usually because they talk to themselves quite a lot inside their head. When you relax your jaw, your inner voice becomes a lot more quiet. The reason why looking up works is because your eye patterns are really associated with your neurology. Upwards is visual. If you look to the side, it's auditory. And if you look down, it's either kinesthetic, which is how you feel, or auditory digital, which is how, again, you talk to yourself. So whether it's your feelings or how you talk to yourself, in order for you to actually get into your anxiety, you will end up looking down. So in order to reverse that, look up. Your visual center won't be able to process anxiety in the same way, and you'll be able to gain a little bit of control in the moment. The third one is all about breathing. Throughout this, you will have noticed that when I'm talking about an exercise, my breathing automatically shifts, even just talking about it. 
even as I'm talking about this, my speaking has slowed and my breathing has got a lot deeper. The way we do this is you breathe in through the nose for four, you hold it for six, and you breathe out through the mouth for six. When you control your breathing, you have more control over your state. And if this is one that doesn't work for you, all you need to make sure is that your in-breath is shorter than your out-breath. Some people really like the sigh breath, especially if you're about to do something really stressful like public speaking. Before I'm about to get on stage, usually I do a big sigh, so I do a it tricks your mind into thinking the talk is over before you've even started. So those are your three tips. Use them and realize how much more power you have in the situation. On to the next question. Hi, Michelle. My question is, can anyone get anxiety attacks? And can people get over anxiety with therapy and never have an anxiety attack again? Thank you so much, Tina. Thank you so much for your question, Tina. Yes, I do believe anyone can get anxiety or anxiety attacks if we're talking about it as a symptom. You know that feeling of being unable to breathe or feeling like the world is closing in on you. I feel like everyone can get that. As I mentioned before, because I don't work with diagnoses and I actually I stay away from labels as much as possible. Within traditional psychology, there are differences between anxiety attacks and panic attacks, anxiety and generalised anxiety disorder. But since I'm going to focus on the symptom, I think everyone can feel that feeling of hyperventilating or trembling or pain in your chest where your heart is beating so fast you can't keep up with it. If you have the ability to feel fear, then you have the ability to feel anxiety because, as I said before, anxiety is simply fear in the future. Also really important to note that anxiety can exhibit in different bodies in different ways and different symptoms. Some would experience an anxiety attack as profusely sweating, whereas another person would feel it as being unable to breathe. But in terms of whether anxiety can improve, yes, I believe it can. When you learn to express your emotions and you allow yourself to feel your emotions, I believe it gets better because the anxiety doesn't have to escalate to a full-blown attack in order to get your attention. But also, therapy and coaching gives you the tools to differentiate between when you're having appropriate fear and when your mind is creating a dangerous situation where there is none. I also believe that therapy and coaching can give you more power in the moment, in the middle of a panic attack or an anxiety attack, because you'll have more options and coping mechanisms. It's also really important to say that anxiety attacks is not a sign of weakness or a sign of regressing or failure. Using my own life, I've had two of those moments in my life ever. One was in the middle of when I had PTSD and we were hiking on a mountain and I suddenly had that feeling of being trapped and looking up this massive mountain in front of me, knowing that it was in an hour and a half to get to the end, but it was also an hour and a half to get to the beginning. I completely panicked and I don't think it actually would have happened unless I was in the middle of one of the most stressful periods of my life coping with PTSD. Since then, I went into life coaching myself, I got my own life coach, and I'm so aware of my emotions, but last year I had the same feeling when we were trapped in a tunnel for 20 minutes on the tube. One of my really old fears is a terrorist attack. It started with the 7-7 bombings, where I refused to get on a tube after that for about a year, which is completely nonsensical because they also happened on buses, but I would get on a bus, and for some reason my mind told me that it was safer on a bus because I could escape a lot easier than a tube. Makes no sense, but a lot of our fears are irrational. Anyway, when we broke down in the tunnel, I started to panic, but this time I had more tools than I did five years before. I knew that I was creating this in my head because I knew that pictures were playing in my mind of a terrorist attack. 
But then I reminded myself that I'm not the same person I used to be. I told myself that I didn't need to create a worse scenario in my head and that if it happened, I would deal with it then and I'd have enough time in the moment to worry. But right now, it's not happening. So what I did was I put my hand on my heart, which is a really quick way to self-soothe. And I'm doing it right now in case you could notice the change in my voice. And I told myself that I'm safe. And then I asked myself what was something that could consume my full attention and I remembered I had audiobooks on my phone. I started listening to one knowing that I would have to listen to each individual word to take my mind off it. But none of this was an indication of how my personal development hadn't worked or that I had failed in some way. It was simply an indication of the fact that I was going through another stressful period in my life. Once I was off the tube, I took it as a warning sign that I needed to slow down. I looked at my calendar, created some time that week to feel the fear around my family member But if I had taken it as a personal failing or worrying that my PTSD was returning or any of those things, I wouldn't have been able to take a step back and realise it was just a symptom of the stress in my life. The fact is, an anxiety attack took place. It's your choice to decide the meaning of it. Some would decide that means that therapy is not working. Some would decide that it means you're useless or bad at adulting. All I took this to mean was that I hadn't felt feelings that were clearly in my body. All this was was a symptom large enough to get my attention and because I'm spiritual I believe it was the universe basically yelling at me slow down or you'll break down. Do not take anxiety in any form as a sign of failure or weakness. It means you're human and it's great because you haven't become numb to the world and trust me the world gives us enough reasons to become numb but if you're a person who feels a lot and that's both good feelings and bad feelings, embrace it because that's your strength and it's a superpower in the world we live in. Anxiety is one of those topics that has multiple different levels to it. So there are definitely going to be more episodes on anxiety where I explore different aspects of it, how it affects people differently. And if you want to be in a future episode, make sure you follow me on Instagram. But to end every episode, I also wanted to do this small segment where I tell you about what I'm working on in myself. Because if you're going to be vulnerable with me and your questions every week I think it's only fair that I match that vulnerability and also become vulnerable with what I'm doing in my own personal growth journey. I also think it's really important to dispel the myth that anyone in the personal development industry is a perfect human being. I actually think this pressure to be perfect is so toxic and when we expect the experts in this field to be perfect we don't allow ourselves to be imperfect we don't allow therapists to be imperfect we don't allow any professional to be a complex nuanced human so what am I working on right now I'm actually working on grief um, and I'm not talking about grief in terms of loss of a person but in terms of the pandemic has created a lot of lost opportunities. A lot of what I thought 2020 would be isn't happening. And so when you have a sense of loss, what the emotion is, is grief. And I must say for the last week or so, I've been running away from it. And the main way I've been running away from it is by reading, to be honest. I've lost myself in the world of books. And as much as that can be healthy escapism, I've not been using it as healthy escapism in the last week. I've been using it as a distraction. So what I've decided is, as I'm recording this, it's a Friday this weekend, is for processing that grief and feeling it. And it's going to hurt, but I'm going to do it. So that's what I'm working on right now. And I hope sharing that helps some of you. If you want to be included in a future episode, make sure you follow me on Instagram. I ask for these questions on Instagram stories and put question boxes up when I'm taking new questions. So 
Follow me on Scar Not Scared to be able to join in. You can also find me on Twitter and TikTok at the same username. You can get my book, Am I Ugly? or watch my TED Talk, Have You Hated Your Body Enough Today online. And I look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. Next week, we'll be talking about long distance relationships. So make sure you hit subscribe and tune in next week to hear more. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.